Welcome to the Renegade Yogi Podcast Experience. Join myself, Zorananda, and this episode's guest as we explore yoga in the modern world. Prepare yourself as we will experience yoga like never before. Zorananda, and today I have a very special guest. He is, in my opinion, a tea master, and we have not only a conversation for you today, but also a demonstration in a traditional and ancient tea ceremony. So, I would like you to welcome my guest, Tom Carroll. Well, thank you for the, the warm welcome. Um, I appreciate the introduction. Uh, I have to say, though, I, I'm not a tea master. I'm a, I'm a tea student, right? And yeah, uh, I know you're going to say that. That's <laughs> <what I did. laughs> and, and that's fine. I mean, I, I appreciate the flattery. Thank you. Um, yeah, so today uh, the setup that is here is for a gongfu tea ceremony that I've been working with for five years really um a lot more actually since uh the end of 2019 and and uh through 2020 i had some more time on my hands and it's really um taken off for me i've done quite a bit more with it um yeah nice um yeah i was first introduced to you through our friend chris um and i still remember the first tea ceremony that we did together because i think it was with um my fiance alicia and Chantel and chris and just the immediate impact and kind of meditative state that it put me into as as well as everyone else that i just knew that there was something really special about it and you know we we hung out earlier today um to do the tea ceremony because i just moved into the neighborhood i'm only like two blocks away from you which is fantastic <laughs> yeah and you know and, and just us hanging out is <clears throat> what brought on the invitation for you to be on my podcast and you know we planned for next week and then spontaneously today <laughs> came up so um mm-hmm. yeah so i'm uh it's really amazing um, how aligned it is with just like my own practice, my own experiences. And um, so, yeah, today is about you and your story. And, um, you know, maybe my first question is what introduced you to the tea ceremony or what uh, got you into it? Um yeah there's 
when I think about my childhood and like when I first kind of met T, I I think about my grandmother mm-hmm. who had a place um on Lake Huron and she would drink like Earl Grey tea and she was very finicky about it. The water had to be just this really hot, perfect temperature, very English style of, of having tea. And I remember like sometimes uh, I'd have tea with her and I'd get to have pumpkin pie and we'd be out by the lake and nature and family. And it was, you know, these fond childhood memories that I have of that place and nature and of her. And uh, tea was there, right? That's kind of my first fond memory of um where i first met tea ceremony is quite a jump ahead in life from there um so i'll briefly talk about where tea was in my life between the first ceremony and there and i really started to drink a lot more tea probably in high school a bit but more so like in in university and um it's like I liked it because it tasted good. I mean, I wasn't against coffee. I, I mean, I still have coffee sometimes, but it was, um, I guess, kind of going after the caffeine as- aspect of it. And it was very fast paced, like a to go cup of tea on the run. I wanted it to taste good and I wanted it to keep me awake so I could study or, or do whatever. It wasn't anything that I slowed down for had like a deeper appreciation of like when I was a child with my grandmother in nature um so I mean it was okay right and then years later um I mean I feel like I really have to build up to your question yeah yeah <laughs> there's of course, like a no. whole bunch of stuff happening there yeah so probably that that gap from university to like having my um my first tea ceremony is probably like about like 10 years right yeah and during that time so a, lo- a lot of that time i was pretty heavily addicted to like drugs and partying all the time and and eventually i i cut that stuff out right and found certain um paths that helped me kind of realize what was going on in my life and that it was out of control and I mean, one of those things, and like in the community that we're in, and in, in a roundabout way, how we know each other, like, would be because I started participating in the yoga community in Edmonton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I really liked this hot yoga for quite a while, and it was beneficial, like, for my recovery. It kept me like healthy, something to do, right? And uh, someone who I had met through that circle was also doing massage and I was getting massage from her and then she canceled one day it's like oh I'm busy but here I go to this person so I went to this person and uh, it was my friend um, Aaron and um, we had a good chat and then she was going to do some retreat somewhere and came back and she told me about this tea ceremony that she'd found a few times and I was just like you know, remembering drinking tea, like when I was in university, it's like, oh, tea, yeah, it's good, but yeah, you know, nothing too, you know, didn't like, oh, wow, I got to check it out. And then she invited me over for tea one time and I came over and she had another friend there too, I believe. And it was kind of wintry and I remember, yeah, so there's no speaking. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I'm fine with that. And then, and then the tea ceremony started and all I could think about was like, 
the tea like I used to drink in university or that I was still kind of doing at that point in time where it's like I needed a lot of honey and I needed to be you know all these things like you know I wanted to know all the caffeine information about it or but I'd already agreed to this silence so it's just like hopes knows that i like honey in my tea <laughs> right that's what i was thinking about earlier to do and today when i was drinking it i was like <laughs> i always put honey in right yeah. and it was <coughs> so interesting to like bypass that and yeah. to taste everything that i was tasting you know and mm -hmm. and just because the quality of your tea is like far significant than anything you'd buy in the store right that you don't need the sweetener at all with this tea like no. it's um it has such an amazing aroma and it has all these different layers of taste that it's it's not something that's just like immediately just only bitter you know or like right you get um you know a rooibos or a red tea or black tea or something uh from the store and then it's just like you can't help but put some kind of sweetener in Mm -hmm. yeah so i guess um one thing i noticed about being in recovery and then i started to notice this in the other aspects and it's kind of coming along my tea timeline to where this plays into there too and um when i would go into like uh, a 12-step room and there'd be no fee and nobody be trying to make money off me and yet this um identification was happening i could hear kind of my story with other people and I, I knew that what they were saying was a legit expression from their heart or their own experience and um, I could I mean there was I was able to leave a donation kind of like what goes around at church and it just keeps the the doors open but it's not required like anyone can go there I mean probably most people that go to those meetings don't leave much or anything because they don't have anything when they first get there yeah but that type of um, learning spoke to me it, it was a value outside of money and um it was like intrinsically valued me like just so powerful right like it allowed me to change my life and be become uh employable become a good person and um, deal with my own stuff and and be accountable to myself and to others right um so that's kind of how I met recovery and that was the first way that I met that was like that so I refer to that as kind of the language of recovery and shortly into my tea journey not too far in like the first year I was I had tea with Aaron a few times and obviously it was going over to a friend's house so there was no like fees happening or anything right but mm -hmm. I noticed like being able to sit in silence and um, really notice what's going on inside me one of those practices and there's other ways to get there too but just that sitting down and not doing not needing to talk and then having something mindful to do like either to receive our set tea for example or sorry to um to pour or to receive tea um it, it all that huge chatter just kind of went away and i could see some things that were happening for me and i mean i experienced myself and other people having like emotional releases and things that they're avoiding would just kind of come up right it opens heart space is what i what i refer to it as right because mm -hmm. emotions seem to be kind of freed out 
Um, not all the time, but that's been some of my experience, right? And um, learning to get out of my own way and to yeah. be quiet and to listen. Like, those are like, w- you know, all lessons within one word, but they're extremely difficult and profound for me. That's been my experience. So, um, at the end of 2015, I had. Um, by this point in my life, had saved up enough money with a good job. I was going to go explore the world, and I bought a ticket to um, Thailand, and, and um, I had a few friends over. Actually, um, Aaron and then another friend of mine, uh, Marcus, were over one day, and we had tea. And I heard Marcus talking about wanting to go to the tea center, and I'm like, I'm going to Asia anyway. Why wouldn't I just reach out to them and see if I could go there? And uh, the tea sage hut in Taiwan um, at the time I, I wrote to them and I was talking to um, Sam at the time who was working there and Chen through emails and uh, I kind of told them some of my story and that I was having some really good experiences with tea and I, I felt it was like a practice that I wanted to continue and learn more about and I asked them if there was any space open and they, they got back to me with a few windows that were during my trip and I uh, kind of chose the earlier window so I was in Thailand for a little while and then, then I went to Taiwan for nine days and the first uh, man that served me tea uh, was Wuda and he was just a, this amazing person. Um, I'll, I'll have to send him this podcast because, I mean, I could go on for hours about uh, my deep appreciation for the work that he's done. And uh, he has uh, a magazine that comes out every month uh, called Global Tea Hut. And there's like a community um, based in Taiwan, but really around the world that, you know, participates in the writing of this magazine on tea stuff. And I've written a few articles in there myself. And I really enjoy reading what other people in the community have to say. And this magazine comes out with some tea every month. So there's tea articles on that tea and articles on other tea stuff, nice. which is wow. great for me because I, I, I can geek out on tea for a long time. <laughs> yeah. But like a, a, a spiritual approach, right? I mean, that's what I'll call it. And people can decide for themselves. But Yeah, because I, I think that's almost um – like, I can get the sense of, like, people listening is like, well, what's so special about tea, right? And mm. and because it's so nonchalant in the Western world of just go to Tim Hortons or go to wherever, get yourself a tea or make yourself tea at home, and you're just drinking it, and there's, like, this known comfort of it, right? Of, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to, like, have tea and relax. And then there's this level of tea right of ceremonial practice and why it can be so heart opening and why it can be so emotional and and touching through having this exchange with someone where we're seated silently we're not talking and yet there's that urge to at the beginning you know it's like well why are we silent oh yeah we're silent because it's all about the experience with the tea and then in your own practice of going beyond that right so then when you're taking in 
the substance that innately it is doing something within you, right? And there's a mm -hmm. subtly, subtlety to it um, that gets appreciated more and more. Um, and so, though I called you a master and you're humbly <laughs> denied and said, no, no, no I'm a student. Um, have you in your experience, like have um, like some kind of like profound experiences say in your own tea ceremony where maybe there is a sense of guidance, communication or intuition or something that comes through that maybe um, uh, wouldn't otherwise come through without it? Um, well, it's kind of an interesting answer one of the things that um, I asked the first time I was at the tea hut, because it was also my my introduction into um, a way of meditation that's also been su like profound for me. Mm -hmm. um, so Wuda had studied with Goenka, who was when he was alive, and I and he incorporates uh, two hours of meditation at the at the tea sage hut at the time, and. Uh, so I kind of asked a similar question to Shen, who was a more senior student of Buddha's there at the time. So I was like, I, so I asked him, I'm like, so when you meditate, do you like feel connected or like closer to God or anything? And his answer to me was kind of like metaphorically what my answer to you <laughs> is. And it's like, he was like, no, but I noticed like, you know, can hear things and I can you know just the senses are, are deeper right on the most basic things I mean maybe basic isn't the right word but his answer didn't quite like make sense to me right because I I'd kind of thought at that point in time that the point of meditation was to be like you know get these god shots and like you know have like superpower clear direction in, in your life and and what I've come to notice about meditation and tea is that kind of what I said earlier it helps me get out of my own way and also more aware of what's going on it's kind of like the mindfulness aspect of it isn't what I'm seeking it helps me to see where I am mm -hmm. in a sense like okay you know like even any sitting practice right if I sit down for a while and I have all these things going on in my life kind of like they're in a mangled cloud above me after I sit for a while they kind of fit the puzzle and then that picture comes down into me so to speak right yeah and then i think there's that's just the surface stuff right and then deeper and deeper and deeper so i mean i've noticed things about my smell and my taste and um different sensations in my body and like feeling the room around me um and having like acknowledgement of other beings being present for this and i mean like you know, it could be the microbes that are growing on the tea that ages tea that I really like aged tea, by the way. It's great. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, noticing that the influences and, and um, the languages that teas experienced before it came here, you know, like the, the mountain, the wind, the sunshine, the animals, the bugs, all the other plants that grow around it, the people who pick it, you know, the people who process it. And what's really different about having tea in this way 
um, is that it's center stage, right? It's not something I do on the side. It's not in a to-go cup as I'm driving or, you know, off to the side in a, while I got a textbook open or, you know, trying to down it on a quick break. And I, I do have tea in those circumstances still, right? And it's okay. And I think it's okay because I also have tea like this, right? Because I know. Right? Yeah. And that's, uh, that's really what I noticed earlier today is like the procedure, you know, and um, how precise everything was, um, especially when it came to the opening of, of the tea ceremony, right? And um, so that is what I, th I found really beautiful because y there's um, a very precise step-by-step process on how you start the tea ceremony and um, so for the lucky viewers um, we did record the opening of it so uh, right now we'll just um, blend right into the opening part of the tea ceremony
one thing I, I miss and I've had in my mind to really get back into, um, when I went to India the last two times, um, and a part of like the Akanda Yoga lineage that Chris and I were both trained in, our teacher, Vishwaji, when he's in the ashram, does these daily fire puja rituals um, where we all gather around a fire and we chant these like old Sanskrit Vedic mantras while offering to the fire, right? Where I see this in a very similar vein that, um, you know, you have this like beautiful mantra music playing in the background and, um, you know, you have the opposing element, um, water instead of fire, but you have this like giving and receiving element, right? Where you are giving into the vessels um, to be received by the body. And I, I just thought that was really a really beautiful reminder for myself um, because I know with me, I have a tendency to like ebb and flow out of my practice. You know, if, um, if I go to the ashram, I'm like fully in it. <laughs> and yeah. I just like, there's yeah. no deterring me from it. And like, even if there's a small voice that's like, oh, you know, you should take a rest today. I'm just like, Psh, like, nah, like I'm doing everything like full on. But then as soon as I get home, that voice of like, oh yeah, you don't have to do it. Just like gets louder. And mm -hmm. then <clears throat> I wane away from doing the ceremony. Um, so this has been a really nice reminder of like how to get back to, into the ceremony. Right. So I'd love um, to actually be able to do like the fire ceremony with you yeah, that'd um, be cool. to like kind of share worlds. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I've, I've been really loving about this podcast is that um, to see how these different practices kind of meld together, right, from these different cultures and mm -hmm. how us as Westerners – um, in the crazy Western world that we're in have been able to find these practices and bring them into our life and to be able to appreciate something that was never really a part of our world, mm -hmm. you know? And that's like what we were talking about earlier, I think. Um, and yeah. So when you're talking about daily practice, um, I can really relate to what you're saying about the ashram and, um, Tea is really easy for me to have a daily practice, especially like when I'm home, like like I'll, I'll have a nice setup kind of or what I think is a nice setup and and um, really get a lot out of that. Whereas like my meditation is harder, harder mm -hmm. to do that, like two hours of sitting every day. Like if I go, but I'll try to go to a Vipassana like once a year and do a 10 day sit and then, you know, I'll go a few months with a practice maybe and then it. It, it tapers off, right? And so I, I relate to what you're saying about that voice, and that's that's the front lines, right? That's where the that's where the fight is, so to speak, and that's where the real change and the growth happens, I think. So mm. um, thank you for reminding me <laughs> about Vipassana. Um, and so one thing I wanted to continue on, I didn't quite um, finish that thought train on where I was talking about the language of recovery and I was getting into like, you know, this 
I, I felt a very trusted space in recovery because I, I could share my experience. Somebody understood it. I got some guidance from a few people. Also, I heard some other people's stuff, and I, you know, helped keep a safe container for them, and I've been able to give back in that sense too, right? So um, the chairs are there. If I can afford to leave something, then it helps somebody who has no money to go there who needs it, right? So when I went to the, the tea sage hut, um, that's what it was like. And I'm like, even thinking about it now, I'm like, you know, getting a, a bit emotional and how, um, how amazing that is that you could go somewhere and learn about this beautiful practice and sink in and it's free, mm-hmm. no money. And I can leave a donation if I find merit in it. Right. So I was able to do that and it's kind of, I love that concept of like, if somebody leaves a donation, then it's a gift for the future people who get to experience it, right? And they leave a donation because they've had merit in the experience. Like there's something in it that's profound for them. So it's a gift based on, on you know, this uh, appreciation of this way and this knowledge and um, this, uh, in, you know, self journey, I guess, for all of us. And uh, I went from there immediately to Burma and did my first Vipassana, which was also done in the same manner, like with donation and teachings and free. And um, it's so profound to me that like now, after um, sitting with tea, and this is like my seventh year now, um, that when I serve tea publicly, that I incorporate that, right? I want to keep that spirit, that Dhamma or Dharma moving forward mm-hmm. in a sense. So like I am comfortable and happy to give tea by donation and then I keep those donations separate and, and it goes to pay for the space for the next people to experience it. And I find that it's a beautiful concept and it's hard for some of the people that I work with and I've had spaces with to like, what? <laughs> you know, they're like don't understand it right because it's like no you need to charge a set amount of money for people coming to class and there's nothing wrong with that right just like there's nothing wrong with having honey and tea yeah it's just like this is the way that speaks to me so that's when i i do things that way mm-hmm. so i think that kind of completes that language of recovery thought so things that work in that sense that's what i refer to them as and I, um, as I had said to you earlier, I like really want to do some writing on this and maybe that, I mean, I hope it'll turn into a book, right? At some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, that attitude towards capitalizing on things is, um, this overt sense of offerings as a, in a business model, you know, and the thing that's, lost i think to most people's minds is the transmission of tradition right that um the reason why you're offering it is because of the goodness that's come out of it for you and you know to one sense how it saved you and um then honoring the tradition that has led to this point that it's come to you right that all the synchronicities came into play 
for you to decide to go to Taiwan and go to the tea school and to learn from these masters who have been doing it all their life, you know, and like, and it's mm -hmm. been passed on in that way. And where we become these sort of forerunners in translating that tradition to people in the Western world, that for some reason in our karma and our dharma, we have the privilege to do that. And, and so this is what I like to explain to people who um, try to accuse me of like cultural appropriation, where they're like, oh, you know, like what you're doing, you're just stealing from these people who, um, and you're just trying to capitalize on it and stuff like that. And I say, okay, well, it's come into my life for a reason. And partly I didn't have control over that because um, I, to one degree, wasn't searching it out and it synchronously came into my life. So with that, with my dive into it and with my um, participation with it, I now have a responsibility regarding how it's transmitted, right? And so my first learning lesson was going through the gamut of like the commercialized sense of it and um, going through studios and uh, wanting to teach workshops and retreats to then coming to full realization that the original transmittance of this is through that similar vein of through charity, through donation and openness and merit, right? Where um, if indeed my um, path is mastery of this, then my teaching of it has to reflect that mastery in the merit of what you get out of it, right? Mm -hmm. And so um, that's what I find so fascinating with the tea because the merit is not just in the ceremony, it's also in growing it. It's also in harvesting it. It's also in then the process of um, curing it and drying mm -hmm. it and then um, storing it, right? And then preserving it. And so um, <clears throat> that's where I can understand where you say, oh, I'm, I'm still a student, right? Because there's also these other steps that you really haven't participated in yet that I'm sure is part of your path, right? And that's what gets opened up to you when you get recognized more and, um, you know, and I think it's part of that merit, right? When mm. more and more people start coming to you and they start going, oh man, like Tom, I've been having these beautiful experiences that like merit is building in that synchronicity where intuitively, I think that's what's going to be picked up by these like tea masters. And that's how I've seen it with yoga as well. The more work you do on yourself, the more like these yoga masters are in tune and suddenly you just like fall into the grace of their teaching. I um yeah it's interesting like what you're talking about kind of reminds me of when I was at the tea hut the first time I was there um 
I was told that if there was some burning question that I would be able to have some time and ask that question to Buddha. And right away, I was like, oh yeah, I got a question, which I find pretty hilarious right now, right? I've only been there for like 10 minutes and I was like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then I would kind of, over the time I was there, I would formulate this question. And then the first day I was there, Wuda had this talk on uh, like shamanism in the modern world and like all the question and much more questions that I didn't realize I had were all answered there. And I was like, oh, I don't have a question anymore. And then something else would happen. Then I'd come up with a question and don't have a question anymore. It's answered like every time, man, the whole time I was there, I kept coming up with like things I wanted to ask and then it would be like answered. And then, I mean, finally, uh, the last day I was I was talking he, he asked me if there's anything I wanted to know after the last breakfast and I was like well you know what do I do when I'm the most tired and you know I'm away at work and you know it's really a, a struggle to keep connected with like a like a yoga practice or meditation or tea, tea practice whatever it is and his answer was uh, Sangha which is like community right and mm-hmm. I was just like, wow, I went across the world to find out that my answer is community and I've got like the same <laughs> great community at home, which I mean, was ironic and beautiful at the same time. Right? Um, yeah. So if you can't tell, I have a lot of admiration, admiration for um, Buddha and, and his work with Global Tea Hut. And, uh, um, you know, I, I support and love his dream of um, building a Life Meets Life Center uh, it's going to be this basically tea school. He wants to get land and, and do a lot of things in that sense. And uh, COVID kind of like, I don't want to say helped, but it's like the, the tea sage hut had kind of shut down. And now they're at this place where they can like rebuild and mm-hmm. kind of focus things differently. And I'm kind of really happy for for the, the way that... Um, teachings are still coming out he's doing some stuff online so i would recommend that if anybody listening to this wants to learn more about tea to go to the global tea hut website and there are courses there to take and uh i also just want to point out something else too like i would go there and i would refer to buddha as a master and he would say that the masters are all dead and they're in the stars right so yeah i mean he had a business card at the time that you know student said student right on his business card right Mm -hmm. so um, I really appreciate that from him, and he's had a lifetime of of studying tea, where I've had a few years, right? And um, also want to have a shout out to um, the good tea merchants out there, right? The people that sell really clean tea, mm-hmm. and um, I can go into some of the aspects of what like yeah, what makes the tea. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask next. Is um, you know particularly the tea that we're drinking now Mm -hmm. um and uh you know i apologize for just the listeners not being able to see but um of course you know this video is up on youtube you have every opportunity to um to watch uh the video as well but (coughs) um yeah so why not um explain uh the tea that uh, we're drinking today. Sure. Um, this tea is a tea that I didn't like at first, or I didn't understand at first, or bloomed and opened up later in my life. I bought this tea, I think, 
I think it came out in 2016 or 2017. Uh, um, Red Sun Rising is the name of it. And it is a Gong Fu red tea. So most of us in the West, including myself a few years ago, didn't understand what red tea is. So red tea is what um, we in the West refer to as black tea. Um, so that's often the correction that needs to be made at first when we're learning about tea. Um, and it's referred to that way because the color of the tea is usually a reddish color, like the liquid. Mm -hmm. So so that was something that was lost in translated translation or translated poorly or anyway something if I can help correct that a little bit I will um, and yeah keep so going. red tea can be any varietal of tea that is processed to like a maximum oxidization level so when I say that I mean like any any like oolong varietal plant or any like puer varietal plant can be processed into a red tea. That being said, it makes it a kind of a big genre, but it's the same. So kind of like how it was explained to me and makes sense is like, so if I take a bite out of an apple and then that apple like turns brown, like the brownest it can get, and then and then I and then I would kill green, kill green stage or whatever, right? Then I would process it, wash fry it, or steam it, however it's being done and then that would be kind of in a nutshell with a bunch of stuff missing red tea <laughs> um oh, interesting so this in particular red tea is uh gong fu red tea uh which is usually a green tea will be picked like the bud and, and the first two leaves it's usually quite small right the leaves are small they're fresh buds and fresh fresh two leaves so a gong fu red tea is basically green tea, but it's processed like red tea. So I have a Gong Fu pot here and the leaves are like quite small as you can kind of see there, right? Whereas the, the other red tea is like a, maybe like a really old puer or like an old tree puer where the leaves could be, you know, up to as long as my finger. Mm -hmm. So um, this tea taken me a few years to get into and learn and I bought this big basket of it so I had lots of it and uh, I ended up giving quite a bit of it away and I was looking at it today and I was like man I really like this tea now <laughs> <laughs> I mean I'm glad that I gave a bunch of it away but, but um, as my tea journey has gone uh, forward like now using the Gingbin um, so the silver kettle and using um, really nice dual qui uh, pot here um, I know that those will affect the water and affect the tea differently right so now that this tea that I didn't understand now I can see another um, angle of it and it's really beautiful and it's an amazing tea yeah and I think that goes into um, like what I was saying earlier about um, the education and the mastery right where um, you know, maybe, you know, you don't have access to the experience of, of going through the process of um, how it's harvested and how it's cultivated and how it's um, processed that 
where your mastery is is in the ceremony itself right and this very specific details of the ceremony like you were mm -hmm. saying like the type of kettle that you're using the type of pot that you're using um the technique of pouring and the vessel that you're using and so then um and, and <clears throat> how a realization has come out of oh i like this tea now and it's showing me so much because I have these other vessels and I have these other pots and I have these other things that is showing me a life of the tea that I wasn't able to see before, right? Mm. And so then like, as you go through your journey with teas and as you start to um, experience other teas, you start to see the the subtleties and the levels of each tea from right. all the different pots and then maybe um uh, there's going to be teas that are different where you're not using this little pot right where you're using oh, a bigger sure. pot right yep. say if it's a black tea or um if it's a green tea or if it's a oolong or whatever you know yep. it's probably all the same thing <laughs> <laughs> you're just looking at me you're like <laughs> yeah, 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 this yeah. Is the, they're all the same yeah. thing but um <laughs> Yeah, uh -huh. um, and what I appreciate is um, just your knowledge on it, right? So mm -hmm. your actual, the actual names of the teas and the region where they come from. So um, I, yeah, I, I feel like a novice in a lot of this, right? Mm -hmm. um, the continuation of practice has, has, a lot of things have unfolded for me. It's still very young in this journey. Um, yeah, I kind of I'm dwelling a little bit on something that you said earlier that that kind of comes up sometimes too is that appropriation, mm -hmm. right? So, so my take on that is it's okay for me to share my experiences, right, and not claim something in somebody else's name, right? So I, it's okay for me to go and share tea, but I mean, I'm not a Zen monk. I'm not, you know, I'm not on a, an, a, a student of this lineage that has like a, a set master or guru to learn from. There's tea brothers and sisters that I've learned from. And in the same sense, if somebody asks me to apprentice, which has, has happened a few times, right? Like my response is like, you know, I can be your tea brother and I'm, you're welcome to have tea with me. And I can show you some things that, that I've learned, but I also point people in the right direction, which... For me right now, it's like the, the Global Tea Hut courses are really like, you know, pinned down pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I wanted to say that. And then also um, if maybe continue on about some of the qualities of what a good tea is. And I don't mean that good and in the sense that there's bad teas. I think any tea can be a good tea. It's okay. The, the, the things that I look for when I buy a tea are... Um, the qualities of like a living tea. So I want teas that have a good relationship with the farmers, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the price I pay, they have a pretty good relationship with the merchants. Yeah. Um, and, and and that being said, not a tea doesn't have to be expensive. And really, if that's a whole little side story there, but um, so a good relationship with the people who are making a living off the tea, like the merchants, the farmers in particular. Um, good relationship with the land that the tea is grown in right so 
a lot of times with plantation tea, the teas are clones, right? And they might live 25, 35 years and nothing else is permitted to grow with them. Even if they're organic, they're like rows and rows of clone trees, right? Mm -hmm. So having something that's grown from a seed and something that's as wild as as can be, right? Like it can still be like like a garden, so to speak. There's a like an ecological. I don't know if it's the right term for it, so I don't want to say it wrong. But like, let's say that there's other things that are permitted to grow in with the tea, right? Creating somewhat of a like some diversity. Like biodiversity. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I've been lucky enough to see some wild tea trees, like um, the ones that I've seen. Well, I wouldn't say they're quite wild, but they're they were in Indonesia, and I could definitely see other things growing on them and in and around them, right? Um, so that's important, and then you know, as hand processed and picked as possible. Um, also, like no, obviously no chemicals, right? Like if it took, like I would eat organic food, not everything organic, but I mean, like I wouldn't. I would only eat organic berries for, in a sense because you can't wash the chemicals off a berry without wrecking the berries so to speak right mm -hmm. so i didn't even i didn't think about tea in that sense for years right and it just kind of hit me like how did i miss that right because you never get it off the leaves right yeah so there's pesticides there's chemical fertilizers and there's herbicides right so tea that doesn't have those and also even organic fertilizers, tea without fertilizer, tea that doesn't get irrigated will have roots that go deep into the earth, right? And then there's mineral content coming out in the leaves and it's like, it can take care of itself, right? Yeah. And, uh, well, I don't want to say that too strongly because there is this relationship between people and tea. And I mean, humans have definitely helped tea still to be here, right? But um, allowing the roots to grow deep is a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So that being said, how does a person know that those qualities are in their tea or not? I mean, I've been drinking tea for seven years, and off, off the first taste, I wouldn't be able to tell you, right? Yeah. So I rely on merchants that are honest, and there's a lot of merchants out there that aren't. Right, mm -hmm. so there might be three pla pip places that I buy tea from, right? And and again, like the only plug out I'm willing to give is Global Tea Hut. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I I really have a deep appreciation for that. Now, I have done some side by side tasting of stuff that I know is like has um, agrochemicals in it and stuff that doesn't, and some of the things that that I've noticed which would surprise me and shock me a bit a little bit like sometimes I'll get like a metallic taste and I would almost think that that's a chemical yet it seems to be that irony taste seems to be more present in tea that is allowed to be more like a living tea or as many qualities as possible right and yeah. that's not a blanket for everything but that's one thing a generalization that I've noticed and I mean I'm not an expert on that but I do notice that I, I have drinking some teas where I feel sick after and they're not clean. Mm -hmm. And now when I sit and I drink tea and tea is the focus, I notice how I feel 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, an hour later, right? Like yeah. that is also important to me. Like what's, what's changing in my energy? How is tea moving with me? 
how am I integrating this experience, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I believe that that tea that is um, not allowed to have a biodiversity in the same way as like a wild tea, like a cloned agrochemical plantation tea. I mean, it just doesn't do that, right? Like what we were talking about earlier, it's like I'm used to that one effect. And so it's like, it's overgrown, like br it's bred just to have that sort of like what we know in the West is like a, a caffeine experience shot. And it's so like non-tasteful. I have to mix it with honey and other things to get it down. Yeah. Right. Well, like even earlier when I was, um, when I was going home, I just very clearly felt at peace and, um, and calm and, and it was, and it's not that it was particularly coming from the tea. It's not like the tea was making me that way. It's like it was amplifying these inner qualities that I already have, right? That can be overshadowed sometimes by stressors and um, just situations in your life that are going to cause you to be flustered and frustrated and, and, and whatever, right? Where having the opportunity to sit in ceremony, drink this tea, really experience it through the senses like you were saying earlier that um, when I was on my way home, I was just like, wow, I really feel the inner work that I have done over the years is just shining through. It's like it just like helped polish um, the the glass, so to speak. Um, yeah, which is yeah, really, really beautiful. And um, you know, I think that's that is that missing element from commercialized tea, right? Because there's this very overt direction of um, you know manufacturing the stuff for a particular intention the caffeine you know it's like mm -hmm. green tea it's it's healthier caffeine you know rather yeah. than like um, you know this tea from this province in China from this farm and this lineage for this kind of ceremony right and i think there's um you know there's something to say about bringing that to light to people who are you know avid tea drinkers and and appreciate it that they can add a ceremonial element right. to it so this morning when um you were over and we had tea we had um a side handle bowl tea ceremony and the uh, I don't know if emphasis is the right word but sitting in silence and you know the vessels of the tea are in are larger and, and things are, are maybe a bit simpler and it, it's um, easy to have a strong heart space in bowl tea ceremony and and that's the purpose of it to me is like connection with nature, open heart, give from the heart, receive from the heart. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and not so much on like, although there is technique, but not so much focus on that. Like that stuff seems more of a, you know, 
a second, like a distant second, mm. where um, Gongfuti has all the same elements too, but it's it was developed by martial artists, right? And it was done to find the kind of the taking those concepts, but also like a large focus on um, making the best cups of tea possible, right? And like the movements are like Chinese calligraphy movements and. I mean, it feels like there's some Tai Chi stuff going on as it happens. Yeah. And, and I'm early in this and bumbling around, right? Sometimes I feel like this flow and I'm like, whoa, this is amazing. And then bumble, bumble. Okay, I got to learn something, right? Yeah. It's um, like the the clay, for example, like just to go into a little bit of of the depth. So the Yishin clay um, is ore from a mountain. right? So it's different than like river clay. And there's some properties that make it quite good for having tea. It's, it's light. It is double porous, which means it holds heat well. And there's no lead in it, which is something that you, you obviously don't want lead in your clay if you're going to be mm-hmm. drinking liquids out yeah, of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so they'll, they'll take the ore out of the mountains. And it, I think, sits around. This is an area I need to learn more about. So this... I believe it sits around for maybe a few years, right? Mm-hmm. And then they take it into smaller pieces and they put it in water for maybe a few months or a few weeks, something like that. And then they make the clay, and and then and then it's okay to make a make a pot with, right? And then the potters like like that's a whole that's a mindful school all all on its own, right? Like yeah. there's some real mastery happening there. And um, and they they say that if you have like a yeasting pot, that if you have the same kind of tea in it, say for 30, 40 years, like let's say I had aged quare in a pot for 30, 40 years, then eventually I get to the point where I could just pour water in the pot and not have tea in it, but tea would come out. Yeah. So I mean to think about how long it took to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like how many generations went into fine tuning all of that, right? And then like the cups are, are porcelain. Like these cups are probably in the area of about a hundred years old. Yeah. Wow. Right? And um, yeah, it's and it, and I always want to say like tea doesn't need to be expensive, right? But I I do have some really good teaware because it it helps me to learn more about the tea. But like in bowl tea, for example, I, I can have like some really basic stuff. I found some really nice bowls at the um, Asian supermarket that are like three bucks and they hold heat well and they're white and I can see the color of the tea. There's a lot of really nice properties about them that that are amazing, right? And I think with bowl tea, that's what I have done publicly, right? Mm-hmm. And people are so um, taken with it. I don't know what it is the same thing probably it was with me just to slow down experience community with people without speaking but still holding space for for everybody and uh yeah i kind of went on a ramble there <laughs> that's okay <laughs> uh. yeah and i think um you know what can be transmitted here is really how 
introduce ceremony where certainly people don't have to get the entire set. They don't have to kind of replicate what they're uh, seeing here, what you're doing here. Um, but to know that even if you're going to a store, um, if you're going to a restaurant, if you're going to a Tim Hortons or wherever to get a tea, that the element of ceremony can still be there, you know, as even just like a starting point where you're thinking to yourself, okay, I want to appreciate this substance that has been around for, you know, thousands of years and celebrated in many different cultures, um, specifically in like China and Japan and Taiwan and uh, the Asiatic um, countries that um, there's something that I can do to to be a part of that, you know, even if we're not even from those countries, right? Mm -hmm. Like even for us, right? Where there's a moment that we can take in just um, ceremonializing the, the, the tea in that moment, right? And, and I think that's what can start to build towards, okay, I'm gonna get like a nice tea set. I'm gonna get a nice um, tea and maybe once a week, I'm just gonna like, it's gonna be a Sunday, I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna make some nice tea, I'm gonna pull up my tea set, totally. gonna, you know, and um, then that's where the synchronicity of the energy of that whole tradition starts to come in, where I'm sure there's people who are gonna have these experiences and then have a profound experience and be like, you know what, I've, I've got to look into this some more. I've, yes. I've, I've got to research some, some better teas and uh, research the history of this, which is, which is really beautiful, um, which, you know, is what your path is and, and what you've been able to share with people. So, um, yeah, and kind of being in this, this um this time we live in with the technology that's available like i mean this podcast we're making right now right this is video um one of the areas that i've ventured into which is i'm sure a new area for tea altogether right it's like virtual tea sits mm -hmm. um and uh you know there's been a number of us in the uh tea community and the global tea community who have met each other and reached out to each other um, virtually and and one of the catalysts for this happening if not the catalyst for this happening was COVID um, for me that was a, a profound aspect of my tea journey um, a brother of mine tea brother who uh, I met him in Bali we had some like epic tea sits there and uh i mean i think we were, we were sitting once and like a monitor lizard like started scrolling by and i was just like what <laughs> right like under a bridge or something yeah and uh yeah we had uh some cool sits so give samson a shout out there and uh, this amazing human being he's a teacher american he's a teacher in china and and um as most of us know the uh the lockdown was pretty severe in china at first and mm -hmm. um 
we were kind of chatting a bit on um, Instagram, and then we reached out and we had a tea ceremony together. And I was really blown away by how deep and profound it was, even though I was looking at a computer screen, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, it was amazing. So going from that point, I started to reach out to some other people that I had met in, in Taiwan when I was there that, um, you know, my friend Turche in Finland, I had a reach out with him and, you know, he was, I think, being cautious and staying home because maybe his friend had COVID or something at the time or, or something like that anyway. So we had a tea sit and gave me some Dongfu pointers that I'm grateful for. And then it started like reaching out to people that I hadn't met yet. You know, like we've all got those people on Instagram. It's like, oh, that person's clicked and liked, and I've clicked and liked. So it was like, hey, let's let's get get together and have some tea, right? And uh, so um, I reached out to um, friend in where is the first off uh, Liying in Scotland, <coughs> who's now like my dear tea sister, right? Mm-hmm. She's like this ama- amazing soul that is now my friend and. I mean, we've only hung out virtually, right? And uh, so we shared some tea, and then she invited uh, her friend Laura, who's now my friend too. And we had we had our little kind of like, what did they call that group? Like Legends of Teaville or something like that. <laughs> 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 but we would like hang out and have tea like early in the quarantine, and I was like at home because all, all of the the work and my trade was like shut down, right? Yeah. For COVID, and then. Um, and then I was like, oh, wait a minute, there's people locally here, right? Like, uh, not so much in Edmonton, actually, but, like, I have some tea friends in Calgary. And uh, so I was reaching out to them, and I was reaching out to uh, specifically my friend Kat in Calgary. And she was, like, linked into this other group in the States that was getting together that uh, Mariana was, was heading up there. So that was kind of a bigger group. Oh, I also want to give a shout-out to Rachel because uh, – I remember reaching out to her too. She's also in Colorado and it was like kind of had a, that was one of my first virtual sits too. And, um, yeah, so these, these groups started happening and, and then it was like, okay, there's a full moon sit or it would be like somebody would host on like, like Monday and then Wednesday or, you know, and I started hosting maybe once or twice a week and tuning into the other sits when I was home and it was really strong. Like you had this community going right. And then, seeing different ways to do it virtually and it was like everybody was serving themselves too so practicing serving but also giving and holding space for for others right and Mm -hmm. um there was kind of like the talking stick style so everybody would be muted but one person would talk or i mean my favorite if it it can be hard to pull off sometimes is just open mic just let the conversations go and people can kind of talk themselves but also like you get those little like laughs or thing, gestures of support and stuff and those are important to hear in conversations so i really liked doing it in that way and then i mean that went on for like a year pretty much right and then i i noticed that some of these people started to incorporate this into like okay that's what they're doing now like business wise and yeah it kind of grew out of that and, and a part of me was sad because you know the this language of recovery so to speak was now being monetized but at the same time i mean i'm really happy for the people that are that are able to share tea with other people and there's a lot of people tuning in to 
to um, these brothers and sisters of, of mine who are, are doing that in that format, right? So I don't need other people to be like me. I just, I understand my language and how it needs to work for me. Um, and, you know, I love them dearly, right? So, um, yeah, and I noticed some more. Um, so now kind of what had been happening, I guess, earlier in this year, 2021, was we'd do like a zoom sit and then it would also be like a live feed in a facebook group and then people could tune into it later if they were on different time zones or whatever and kind of ha like you know have their own ceremony even though it wasn't live anymore with mm -hmm. what was going on so it was this interesting way to connect and um i feel like that first big wave of that is kind of past especially now like i mean most places in the states are opened up right so people are like you know at home less and probably really happy to be out doing stuff and and uh so now where my tea sits are when i'm not working and i'm home is i, I drink tea like every day pretty much right like mm -hmm. pretty rare that i would miss a day often i'll have like two sits like a bowl of tea in the morning and gongfu in the afternoon or evening and um probably half or more of those are virtual but they're more like some real solid connections like i've met and uh some people that i met in taiwan like my russian friend ming um or uh, my friend matt who lives in washington state and uh yeah it, it's been this um interesting experience right and uh we had kind of talked earlier this morning about like where I'm at in my life now. And mm -hmm. one of the things that COVID has helped me realize is like, whoa, like what am I working for? I was so busy working and like looking at like kind of a retirement thing later in life, but sacrificing my life now for this idea of something that I, I want to bring into being in the future. Yeah. So that compiled with now like um, my industrial job for the last few years has been involved in living in work camps and um and the jobs seem to be more dangerous and have to wear more protective gear because of covid and just the levels keep going and then the uh, mandatory testing was going to be implemented every three days and there was like really high false positive rate and then being stuck in a work camp and um I just felt like it was kind of eating away at me more and more. And then I just had to snap out of it. It's like, no, uh, I love the people that I was working with there. It's a great group of people, but they're just not willing to work under those conditions anymore. And, um, so I was lucky. I got a layoff and, uh, I left and, you know, did another job by Calgary and just saw how different things could be and, mm -hmm. and now not working and, um yeah i just feel like a lot of like this coercion kind of happening in society right now and i'm not saying anything's real or not real or whatever getting in into that debate but it seems like you know if i mean there's a lot of coercion like if you want to go flying that you need to take this vaccine or all the all testing and stuff and i'm not saying it's right or wrong but it just seems like a lot of the motivation for me to do any of that stuff wouldn't be for actual health reasons it would be so that i could go get on a plane or that so i could go to work and yeah and uh just had to, to take a step back from that and uh really have a look at my own values and what i'm what i'm willing to put up with and what i yeah, yeah. and we were um 
were talking about this earlier about this unraveling that the whole pandemic has brought on right where like that frame of thinking and that way of going about changing your life may not have happened if if this whole situation didn't happen right where um suddenly this desired shift from being in a place and working in a in an environment and thinking like well i'm just going to be doing this for the next 30 years and i'm going to retire to have everything shut down give the opportunity to have more tea sits and more tea ceremonies and then um the synchronicity out of that of people coming to you and being like i you know i want you to host a tea ceremony and um you know you're saying there were a couple people that were in a grieving process and how the tea ceremony really helped with grieving and with providing them the space and the opportunity to be with someone that's not giving advice that's not um kind of telling them at all what to do you're just there giving right you're just there providing and in silence and they can pour their grievances into that tea and into that ceremony they Mm -hmm. can pour themselves into that space without having someone being like oh no no it's okay you don't have to cry you don't have to do this oh no 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 you like you know there's there's no interference it's just i'm silent you can grieve here's my offering that you can put your grievance into and then enjoy and have this reciprocated process of giving and receiving which i think is so beautiful and i think that opens up the experience of tea in a whole new light for people right so um so say like i was saying earlier if if there's a person listening to this that's like oh you know what i'm gonna start um adding um a kind of ceremonial sense to my tea to my tea enjoyment right so they go to tim hortons they get a tea and they stop and they go okay thank you for this tea this is really wonderful Um, It's going to provide the caffeine that I need to go on with my day. And then suddenly, you know, six months later, they're like, you know, I'm going to get a tea set. So they go wherever to get a tea set. Mm -hmm. And then they come up on this podcast. Right. And then we're talking about, hey, not only can you do ceremony, you can take the state that you're in. You can take whatever is going through you and you can sit with someone in silence and they can provide a space for you to just give that feeling and that emotion or whatever you're going through into the tea and the tea will give back to you a very like visceral experience of how to release more and how to go deeper into the sensations of it and um you know this is giving me an opportunity to reflect on my like way earlier question of like have you gone into any profound states of like Mm. spiritualization or meditation or anything? And, you know, I think that is so much more profound to a degree, right? Mm -hmm. Where someone can really truly open up to something within themselves that can be healed 
and it was something as simple as sitting silent together drinking tea right yeah it, um not to quote Wuda here but he often says like sitting with tea is like making the ordinary extraordinary mm-hmm. it's this ordinary thing right but it's extraordinary um yeah like with um grieving in particular you know i lost my father just a little year ago and i've definitely had some some tea sets geared just for you know me saying goodbye or you know having a few words for him and and yeah it can be quite powerful and um yeah i've had some some teas really uh affect me and i can't always say it's the tea although that's the main variable but there's a lot going on right like Mm -hmm. one of the the big things that's happening is i'm sitting down and i'm shutting up and i'm trying to get out of the way so my own process will come up whatever i'm processing right so um that is profound just that by itself is super profound and then also having tea and like like integrating this being into my body right and and having it change and affect me and flow and i mean it doesn't jar or disturb any of my other processes going on through my day right like literally i could sit with tea and be more aware driving to work afterwards right Mm -hmm. and and it is a plant medicine and i don't want to say this in a manner that would deter people from other plant medicines but i mean there's some pretty psychotropic plant medicines out there that uh, i might not want to drive a car after right yeah yeah exactly (laughs) and and i'm not saying that they're wrong or anything either right and i also want to like uh mention one thing about um that I'm especially grateful for too is the um, everybody is welcome at the tea table at least my table right and uh, that was one thing that I really picked up um, from Global Tea Hut and they would talk about like you know Muslim clerics and rabbis being able to sit down and to talk about tea and enjoy tea then it's then it's okay right mm-hmm. and um, there are like tea huts I guess for I guess tea huts, kind of like almost like tree forts sometimes. And you'll see that the entrance into these uh, tea spaces is like a little hole, probably, you know, like 18 inches by 18 inches or something like that. And the idea is that everybody has to equally bend down and bow to go into that space and that everybody inside that space is now equal. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's really important. And I think that gets lost sometimes. I mean, there's a lot of... uh, things happening on the on uh, the planet <laughs> over the last year especially i mean forever going back there's a lot of like injustices and things happening and and sometimes people uh, are like oh well, why aren't these like you know well-known tea, tea people stepping into that and i mean at least in my mind um and also the recovery world kind of looks like this like I don't want to align, my, align myself in my tea life with any denomination, sect, or politics uh, for the purpose that everyone is welcome at the tea table. It doesn't matter what your worldview is. Mm-hmm. I will sit and drink tea with you, right? And in yeah. that, we are brothers and we are br- sisters. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's really important to me. And I, you know, and I admire you know the tea brothers and sisters out there that speak 
on what they need to speak on, right? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it serves as uh, its own like bubble, right? Of um, where um, there's this protection from the outside world, almost. It's like when we come to sit down for tea. This is the focus, right? Um, and, uh, I'm sure, yeah, there's going to be conversations about all sorts of things and sure politics are going to come up if it's going to come up. It's not like there's uh, a strict adherence to like, no, these certain things can't be spoken about, but then there's an appreciation that, um, there's this equanimity between the two people and I'm remembering, a, a Jet Li movie. Do you know what movie I'm talking about? <laughs> no. Oh my goodness. Yeah, he's so he's got some crazy skills for sure. I think it's in Fearless. Did you ever see Fearless? I don't I maybe man like honestly if you're asking me to remember a p- certain part of a Jet Li movie I'm not probably going to remember it other than there's a flying kick somewhere. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he um He's this um, champion martial artist that ends up having tea with um, this, like, other martial artist. Oh, okay. And um, they – he essentially learns, not, like, directly in that moment, but it kind of, like, clicks in him a little bit that, like – you could that there's this safe space where they're having tea and you know jet lee's character like doesn't know the difference between anything and then this other martial artist is like has his whole technique has his whole technique and um you know is super traditional about his movements and has those like really specific teas and he's just schooling jet lee on how um you know in that bubble they're they're just people having tea it doesn't matter about their martial arts it doesn't matter about who they are it doesn't matter about their accomplishments and Jet Li just doesn't get it you know because mm-hmm. he just to him he's just looking at his opponent right and he's looking right. at the person that he's about to fight and all he can think about is winning and yet his opponent is just like no no no, no, no. drop all that like forget all that you know let's just enjoy the tea and then it's like way later in the movie um, where that just dawns on him, right? That he ends up like beating this guy um, to like to death, right? And he's just like, oh my God, what have I done, right? Mm. And um, it's actually a really beautiful movie. Like well, that I'll have is, to check it out. Yeah, it's one of my all like all time favorite of Jet Li's. Yeah, like that and like Hero. I kind of like to get a like a clip of like so because uh, now I've been sitting with you, right? I'll notice like a tea scene in a movie. Yeah, and there was there was a really good one. Um, actually, with Reese in uh, Ghost in the Shell. Oh yeah. Right, like where she goes to visit her mom, but she's in a different body, and her mom makes tea and sits down, and there's this like. Oh yeah. I was like, whoa. I mean, that's kind of what tea's about, right? Like sit and, you know, we talk and we have space for each other. And it's like, like how long have people been, been doing that, right? Like just sitting down and, and having tea and listening and, 
creating space for each other. And uh, the martial arts thing is that you're mentioning is also really interesting, right? Mm-hmm. And that that may be, you know, pretty true in some cases, right? Like o- outside of the two worlds, some people might not get along, but I mean, inside we can all get along, right? Maybe that's because the journey is like from the inside towards the outside, so that stuff is actually further away, mm-hmm. like it's not present, right? Until we get outside of the two space, and then we put on those hats, right? So it's kind of like stepping into the two space. Just take your hat, or I'll, I'll take my hat off, right? And I'll sit and I'll and I'll have tea and try to get out of my own way as best I can. Right? Yeah. And in that way, when um, the I don't want to say it like when the desire to put the hat on, you know, in the tea ceremony or like in the conversation, <laughs> the desire to bring it up yeah. can be checked and. Uh, and, and I know this this may seem a bit abstract, but where it it comes down to the nature of of the ceremony of the giving and receiving, right? Where the the bubble of that's around us, right? Like that image of getting down onto your knees, crawling into this like tunnel, and then coming into this space where everything is set up and you're in this whole world of, mm-hmm. of tea um, uh, ceremony that um, the there's a filter there that's like okay if you're gonna bring your hat if you're gonna put your hat on um, there's a filter that's gonna ensure that there's honor and respect and that the tea is respected and through that, the person that you are about to um, share your idea with is, is respected, right? And and I think that can be helpful with the world, right? Totally. Like, I, I wonder, you, and it probably does happen, I mean, more so in Asia than here, where it's like, you may have like a tea set up and sit in tea before you have a business meeting or something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've actually used this in um, the recovery world where it's like in like a sponsor sponsee kind of situation where somebody is new in recovery and we'll sit down, we'll have some tea and shut up and then let's talk, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I found that beneficial. And I've also had tea with my mentors in that in that world too, right? And I, I enjoy that too. And they give me good feedback on it, so I'm sure that they like it too. And it seems to like open this honest space, right? Where mm-hmm. it's like I can I can share myself honestly. It's like I don't necessarily need you to agree with me, but I know that I've been heard and, and respected. Yeah. Because you know, and, and this is a typical <coughs> label now in, in the world that we're in that there's this divisiveness and there's, um, you know, pitting one group against the other if it's political or if it's religious or whatever, right? Um, that there's a way to introduce a respect to one another 
and why not do it through a medium like this right and where the tea providers all over the world wherever you want to get your tea can be an inadvertent participant in actually alleviating the divisiveness by having more discourse on the ceremonial aspect of it right so um you know i i wasn't thinking about this earlier today when i when i was like hey let's do a podcast where you know even people listening to this can now get a sense like oh um you know maybe if i participate in conversation um, with the people around me through the act of giving tea that just that alone can do something subconsciously psychological where it'll alleviate the divisiveness you know mm. it'll alleviate a, a kind of tension because you're immediately giving to someone before even saying anything right before even starting a conversation you're initially going here i want to give to you and i want you to know that i'm starting with giving to you and imagine then how that translates to social media right because it's so easy to just jump into conversations and jump into arguments and because there's no medium of giving there right it's totally removed because the in-person um interface is totally removed so i think where if that element's added into people's lives more then the desire to be divisive on social media will actually be dampened as well because people just have that more in their subconscious of like first i'm going to give then i'm going to add my piece on the conversation and the, and the giving is a like a direct action it's not like oh i'm going to give my peace of mind i'm going to give my opinion no it's like i'm going to give something and from there that's going to help bring things in a kind of homeostasis where then the conversation can actually be like how it is here right yeah i mean that's pretty like in depth i like the way that your mind works right <laughs> like you're really analyzing trying to to see these variables and which one does exactly what and and i um i, I look at it maybe from a a simpler approach in that like i know that when i have a conversation with somebody before tea and then i have a conversation with that same person after tea it's different Mm -hmm. right and like it seems like both parties after having tea having a conversation are more open and more receptive to each other and so even today when we're setting up this podcast I'm like no man I gotta drink tea through this podcast right because um, it eases the authenticity of like what I'm gonna say and yeah. helps me remember the you know things even through this conversation I'm like oh wait I want to go back to that part and and you know I forgot to mention this and that and that um, yeah 
Yeah, and that's why, um, you know, typically I, I do an hour, but I'm just thinking, like, you know, I just want to show the enjoyment of this process, mm. right? And yeah. I know probably some people watching this or listening to this is like, man, how much tea are they <laughs> drinking? And why, like, how yeah. have they not, like, gone up to go to the bathroom? Uh, but, I mean, these are small cups. And they are small cups. Yeah. yeah um, you know, there's some elements at play. Uh, a warm yeah. room, a little bit of body sweat. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I really enjoy – seeing people share tea with children right and how they find that quiet meditative space and it's just yeah. this natural thing and i had the uh extreme enjoyment of sharing tea with my niece and my nephew and they were just like i was like okay and i gotta be quiet for a bit and they're just like they're they're real careful and and paying attention to things and um asking for their feedback after or like you know what they thought of the experience and it's like uh, my nephew was like, oh, I, you know, I feel like my thoughts were calmer and and he felt relaxed and um, kind of brings me to another point. Um, so usually when I serve tea, often I'll be asked, well, what's the tea beforehand and, you know, how is it going to feel? Blah, blah, blah. And I really prefer not to answer any of those questions until after and even after um, I've heard that person share on their experience. That's what I like. Um, I believe that's what uh, Wuda refers to as like the beginner mind. It's like, I don't want to influence your experience or your mm. relationship with tea by my words beforehand. I mean, I'd rather that that people experience it for themselves and then build that relationship inside themselves. And then if they wish to, they can share some of that. And it's as true and real as it gets, right? Because it's their relationship with with whatever tea they just drank, right? Yeah. And it's not influenced by words that may come from someone like me that would <coughs> tell them what kind of tea it is, what they've grown, and all this all this wonderful stuff. Because tea does have wonderful stories, right? But mm -hmm. like that experience and that relationship with it, that's that's like that's the you know that's really really important to me, right? And that's what what I'm looking at, but. I don't know. It's a bit of a catch-22 because when I go to buy tea, I'm reading the story on the tea <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm buying it and I know what I'm drinking, right? But yeah. So I try to, like I was saying, get out of my way as much as I can and then and release that. But if I can help other people experience it without needing to know those stories, then uh, yeah, I enjoy doing that too. Yeah. Well, I think too, like especially in a in a setting like this with um, a ceremonial aspect where say, you know, you do order your tea, you know the grower, you know um, the merchant, you know where it's coming from, you know, all these things, right? But then when it comes down to sitting down and having the experience, the process of setting up can take away all that information, you know? It can help push it to the back of your mind and and so then you are stepping up to it you are sitting down with it in a in a fresh new um way to then just experience it in the moment rather than if um you know 
it's coming from a box and you're reading the box and then you you know you have this mind chatter of like oh you know it's coming from this place you know this this company and blah blah blah, blah, blah. oh yeah that sounds great mm-hmm. oh yeah it's like mint tea peppermint yeah peppermint's my favorite yeah this sounds good i think oh yeah, i need some soothing in my mind you know it's like this mental <laughs> chatter that's going on that's like yeah. then you know the process of of making the tea is just uh you know tea bang in the cup and boil some water and put it in yeah. Yeah, it's like the tv going and then you know and then you're just drinking this tea and your mind's going you have that story going but all you can taste is the honey yeah <laughs> right and then where um in the setting it's like okay all of that is set aside mm-hmm. and here i just need to focus on the placement of of all these things um i need to focus on a little bit of technique i need to focus on um the process and then all of that is then leading towards this very like narrow path into the experience of the tea and then right to the point of then reaching for the cup and drinking it right Mm. where there was this like path carved to that where nothing else um is welcome to participate with that in the mind other than the presence of what the sensations are going to be when when you drink and what information is going to be relayed from just the tactile experiences of the feeling of the tea on your tongue the taste of it and all your ten, uh, taste receptors the smell of it the look of it and then the feeling of it right and then that is what's informing you of everything that the tea is right and then after that you can say to yourself oh where it comes from now there's beauty that's relayed through it right there's this sense of um projecting all of that feeling into where it's come from and then the tradition and and Mm. and all of that right so yeah and i mean I know I was talking about a focus on like, you know, what I consider to be like the beginner mind and that honest relationship without anybody else influencing it. And, and, um, but the stories are actually really important too, right? Like mm-hmm. otherwise, like, how do I know what I'm, um, contributing to when I buy tea or, or things like that? Right. So, um, it, it all kind of works together in the best way that it can. And I mean, this is, I've, I've started to dig a hole deep with tea, right? But I'm still pretty new in the journey. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of things to, to learn. So I think on a, on a final note here, know you've been on this path for seven years of of doing ceremony um do you have an intention of um of potentially getting into a role of being a teacher and having a studentship um where uh like you were saying uh before where you know like uh you're a tea brother 
but um, you know, to the point where you are a facilitator in a in a more official sense. You know, like what would that look like? Um, you know what? I'm not sure. I mean, I I have ideas what I would like that to look like, but kind of like with this lineage in this this way, it's like they don't really ask to be like an apprentice you get asked right so mm -hmm. the things are like not in my control in that sense so what i i do is um i try to be open and honest um with where i learned about tea from like so for example last year i went to a music festival and i was serving tea i had like kind of lounge boiled tea and then did a few tea ceremonies and um I was in contact with Global Tea Hut and it's like, hey, I'm going to go out and do this by donation or whatever. And, and they sent me a bunch of magazines and free tea to give away. So, I mean, like, you know, that, that communication is important to me. So if I'm venturing into new areas of uh, being of service with tea, then, you know, I'll have conversations with people, right? So, mm -hmm. um, actually, I, I feel like a conversation coming on, right? Like, that will be coming up in the future maybe even over the next couple of days here send off a, a few notes to Taiwan like what I've been noticing um, recently is that people are asking me kind of for private ceremonies for certain things and and I'm okay with that and as long as the main thing is is happening like I am uh, making tea available publicly and doing that by donation so we can kind of like carry that gift forward to other people and other people can gift to other people kind of thing um, as long as that's always happening then I'm okay with going into other areas but also like being respectful and having that communication with where I learn have learned about tea from right mm -hmm. and, and like acknowledging that Yeah, so I, I can see, like, oh, man, my life is, like, really kind of going through this, this change right now. Um, I'll talk maybe briefly about this. I, I thought I had a whole bunch of money, you know, a week or so ago, and it turned out that I lost a whole bunch of money, <laughs> which, you know, happens sometimes. And uh, But basically, I allowed myself to think about what I would do with my life if I didn't need to work and now despite losing that money I don't want to lose that vision right so mm -hmm. I want to be able to hold space for people and have tea and do other things like breath work maybe do some like medicinal tinctures and I've been working with like aloes with incense for like six years too and so doing some things in those areas right and you're somewhere all of those things involve conversations with where I was learning these things about and uh, you know trying to guide myself into the healthiest space possible with that right mm -hmm. um, you know people have all often come to me and asked me for tea too because I got a lot of tea right so I mean I don't mind um, helping people find tea too I just I also want to be careful with that too right I don't want to be you know, stepping on toes of other people, and I don't want that to be my main mission. I don't want that to be the bus stop I get off at, right? Like yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of what what I'm drawn to is holding space for people and allowing them to uh, 
you know, be vulnerable or whatever they need to be and like maybe, you know, healing trauma, right? I'm mm -hmm. really drawn to that. And it seems to be coming to me like there's a lot of happy tea ceremonies, but I've, you know, I've had some people stop by and I mean, they got some things that they were saying, right? And I want to be open to holding space for that. Mm -hmm. so. Wonderful. Yeah. So um, maybe tell people listening, um, you know, where they can find you, um, maybe primarily on social media um, and also uh, maybe the website of, um, uh, I think you're saying the, the Global Tea Hut. Yeah. Um, all this stuff will be linked as well. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, so maybe... So Primarily, like, uh, my social media, most of the, the tea things that I do are on Instagram. So yeah. So what's your Instagram? Uh, Tom 77 Nice. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, what's the website of... Uh, uh, GlobalTeaHut.com, right? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah, you can put a link up to both of those. Um, my Instagram setting is, is private or whatever, but you can send a message still. I think it's the settings are private. Um, they can follow you and, uh, then you'll have to accept. Right. Follow right. But I can chat at that point. Right? Yeah. So yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's good. And I, I think I may, I mean, depending on how this goes, I want to be available to do ceremonies and, and, um, potentially like more private bookings. Right. So I may develop a website at some point. Yeah, to, for to make easy access, but uh, yeah, I mean, right now there's nothing set up. I think. Um, and if you want, I can I can even put your email in, um, so people can just contact you directly through sure. email as yeah. well. Um, oh, so. sorry, my Instagram is ttom four point three. Ttom four point three. Excellent. Yeah. So with that, thank you everyone for listening in for watching um sticking around for a little bit longer of a podcast 